Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for everyone who's been sharing the podcast and posting on Instagram and all that fun stuff. You guys make a big difference in our reach. So thank you to our podcast community here. I think it's official. It's a community now. I love it. Um, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, I'm going to read it in the King James because I like the language. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Um, Some of these phrases, you know, the King James was written in like 1640 or 1620, somewhere around there. Um, Some of these phrases are foreign to us, but I'd like to break this down. This is at the end of uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians and, and, and I think his longest epistle that he ever wrote. There was a lot of nonsense going on in the Corinthian church with sexual morality and people in factions and all sorts of nonsense. And um, this is how he ends his letter. And it's kind of a summary, but I want to break this down for you because I think if we can look at this one verse and get this right, we'll be on the right road in the things of God. But it says, watch ye. So um, a lot of times the way you come to a definition or to get what someone's saying is you, you ask yourself, what's the opposite of that? You know, part of a definition of something is also what it's not. Um, but watch ye, he's saying, be alert. He's saying, uh, what's the opposite of being alert? It's being asleep. It has the picture of the watchman on the wall who's standing guard and watching over his faith. As Christians, we're commanded to be on alert. I heard, I read somewhere the other day, and someone said something I hadn't thought about, and it said, be, be watchful about temptation because the devil has been studying you. And man, that's not a good thing to think about, but to know that we have an adversary who's not stupid, um, who, yes, he has a limited number of tricks in his bag, but he knows exactly where your weaknesses are. Don't think you're past the point where if you're not careful that you could slip and fall in an area. So he says, be on alert. Don't be asleep. So what are we watching for? We're on our guards to watch, watch our words, watch what we're saying with our mouths. Man, I believe a lot of people get themselves in trouble just because of what they say. If you would put a guard on your mouth and realize that you're speaking, you're revealing your heart every time that you speak. The Bible talks about even a fool, if he's if he's slow to speak, will be considered wise. We had a when I first started Bible school, um, the dean of the Bible school told a story of how he was uh, at lunch with Pastor Rodney, uh, and he was just sitting there, and there's great men of God around the table and people who are talking, and he just sat there and listened and nodded and listened and said very little. And at the end, someone said to him, man, you just seem very wise. And he thought to himself, man, that's funny. He's like, I didn't really say anything. I was just quiet. Even a fool can can be thought of as wise. He, I'm not calling him a fool by any means. He was a, um, a very intelligent man. But But anyway, um, watching your mouth, putting a guard on your mouth, being careful of what you say. And then uh, he's also saying here, watch your thoughts. You know, your thoughts ultimately dictate your life, Uh, what you choose to think about. I think this is when you actually realize that your thoughts are in your own control. It's like this real, this light bulb goes on. Wait, I can control what I think about and therefore I can control my mood by what I think about. There's always, we talked about this before, but there's always a bright side to every situation that we're in. There's always a bright side. Man, I had a really bad day at work. I got fired. This happened, this happened. Yeah, but what's the bright side? Man, I still live in the United States of America, right? I'm not living in, I wasn't born in Syria. There's always a bright side. So choosing to be watchful of your thoughts, um, being watchful over your affections. What is your heart attached to? What are you spending your time on? 
You know, I find it interesting that people are like, man, I love God with all my heart, but then their routine doesn't show that. Oh, I love God with all my heart. He's number one priority in my life. But you got two hours, two and a half hours logged on Instagram and social media, and you haven't taken time to pray today. Like, let's be realistic about this. If I tell my wife I love her, but then every time she's like, hey, let's hang out tonight, I'm like, no, I'm hanging out with the boys. We're going to go do this. I, I, I express, my words may say I love her, but I express by my actions that my affections are elsewhere. And I know it's a discipline for some people when, when I say the word prayer. I just say prayer, and they immediately think, if you were to write down five words that correlate with prayer, are important but boring. I understand that's the prevailing thought. Prayer is like this difficult, tedious task that we do. I want to tell you that if you develop your prayer life, it'll become the thing you look forward to the most, that you wake up and you're excited. Man, I can miss everything else. I can miss a meal. I'm not missing my time with God Almighty in prayer. The devil tries to the devil tries to put a seed of thought in your mind, and I promise you, your first thoughts on the subject are not always going to be your last. Uh, so, developing that. So, what is your what is your heart attached to? What what else are we watching? What else are we being on alert for? I would say Satan and his temptations. You know, for every sin, there's a preceding action. Don't be ignorant of the fact that when God God the Bible says that every there's no temptation known unto men by which God hasn't provided a way of escape. That when something comes into your life, if there's something that you've been dealing with, a sin in your life, that there's actually preceding actions to that sin. That if you trace it back and be like, man, before I did this, the last time, last five times I've done this, this, these are the things that have happened beforehand. I've been around these people. I've been in this places. I've been watching this thing. There's always preceding actions to sin. There's a, there's almost like an atmosphere for sin, right? You ain't, you ain't in your Bible reading the word for an hour, praying in tongues, and then going out and, oh, I'm just going to go smoke some weed. Like, that's not a normal atmosphere. The, the, the presence of God is not an atmosphere where sin thrives. The presence of God is where you're excited to serve God. You're excited. So be, be careful and be watchful over Satan and his temptations. Don't think you're too strong a temptation. If you're a Christian and you're saying, especially a young person, the Bible says flee youthly lusts. Lusts are especially strong in your youth. If you take that time to squash them by the power of God, by the word of God, it actually gets where the, the temptations lessen. You settle down, you mature, you grow up, you begin to understand certain things, and 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 those things, those youthful lusts diminish, right? But if you let them grow during that time, you see people now who are like in the news, hey, it's 65 years old and just perverted, getting arrested for uh, all sorts of craziness, right? So we get to we get a chance here where we don't we're not we're not ignorant of the fact that the devil wants us to fall and that if we have to be there's a scripture and I've talked about this before in one of these podcasts but in make no provision for the flesh that if we allow ourselves to get into situations where we can be tempted and we just and we have to use our um we have to use our ability to turn away temptation. We've already made a provision for the flesh. If you're going out and hanging out with that girl or that guy and you're alone with them in the, at their place, you've allowed your flesh room to wiggle. If you're having to use your, oh man, I've got good determination. I'm not going to fall into sin. You, sh- you shouldn't even allow yourself to be in that place. Don't even allow the provision for that to be an option. Don't even allow it that it could be thought of that, y- that you guys were there alone and that could have happened. You've gone too far far already. God doesn't look as, yes, the action of, of slipping up is, is sin, 
but making a provision for the flesh, putting yourself in a place where, man, if you've got a past of doing drugs, hanging out with the friends that you know it's readily available, like you need to distance yourself from those situations. Don't be foolish and think, oh, I've got the, I've got the willpower to turn this away now. No, don't even put yourself in that situation. Run in the, the Bible says flee youthful lusts. Like don't even allow yourself to be in a place where you can have those things. Um, uh, have those things present in your life. And then what else are we watching for? Be watchful under prayer, the Bible says. Be someone who prays. Be, keep an eye out. And then, so be alert, not asleep, right? Number two, what does he say? Stand fast in the faith. Man, I like this wording. What is, what is the opposite of standing? Well, wavering or being seated, right? So it's a posture of being ready for battle. He's saying, stand fast. Be, be the person who stands up, stands firm, the one who's ready for action, the one who's ready to share their faith. The one who's ready to, 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 who's not wavering between opinions. Be someone who's standing firm on the word of God. It's a posture of readiness. It's, it's basically saying be stationary. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. It doesn't matter what the devil brings. I'm not going anywhere. Who's someone who is standing fast in the face? I, I think of Joshua in Joshua chapter one. I really like it. Sometimes the, the language can get lost on us in the King James, but it says, um, you know, as for me, choose you this day whom you will serve. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. He was basically like, listen, you guys can do whatever you want. If you think it's a bad thing to serve God who brought us out of Egypt, then don't serve him. But if, but if you, but if you want to serve him, make up your freaking mind to serve God, make up your mind. And I believe too many people in, the, in our generation haven't made up their mind what they want in life. They haven't decided on anything. They'll go with the flow of anything, whatever the, whatever the common thing is, they're going with the flow. Bible says, stand fast, persevere, be stationary, man. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. The next one quit you like men. For a lot of people, what does this mean? Quit you like men. I thought we weren't supposed to quit. That's actually saying be courageous. One of the translation, one of the commentaries says, don't be effeminate, right? And so it says, quit, be a man. It actually, it is actually saying act manly. There is a, there is a Christian manliness that is important. So much of our culture now is talking about, oh, masculinity is toxic, toxic masculinity. You lost your mind. The, the only reason we have a, a, a culture and a society that's civil is because of the wars that happened and the manliness that it took to get up and, and get into battle and do this and do these things. Manliness is not toxic. Manliness. I'm not talking about like, we're going to go hang out with the guys and crush beer cans on our head. That's not manliness, but standing up and being bold and being courageous. And even for the women, like deciding I'm going to be a person of courage in the kingdom of God. I'm going to pull my britches up, right. And just man up and face what's coming at me. That's really what it is. It's not, it's choosing not to back down and, and to, I like the, I like the phrase to stick to your guns. You know, that's a saying, stick to your guns. That's a saying that for sailors, when their ships would be under attack, the people who were manning the guns, they were at their posts, they would yell that, stick to your guns. And that was, hey, don't, even though we're under attack and you could, you could be exposed to a blow from the enemy, stick to your guns, stay at your post, continue to fire. And that's what it means. Hey, I'm sticking to my guns. I don't care what, what persecution comes. I'm standing up for what I believed in. I've decided that the greatest treasure I have is the treasure I have in heaven. The greatest hope that I have is serving Jesus. I've made up my mind. I'm sticking to my guns. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not only going to, I'm not only going to not back down. I'm actually going to stand up. If an opportunity presents itself and someone's saying something, I heard of, uh, uh, John Osteen, who is in a subway, he was on some sort of public transportation and someone, uh, the, these guys were talking and someone used the name of Jesus and, prof- and it took his name in vain, Jesus Christ. Right. And he's like, 
He said it bugged him so much that he as he started just in the middle of everybody. Yes, Jesus Christ, isn't he wonderful? I praise you, Lord. You're wonderful. I worship you. I adore you. You have the greatest name, the name that is the only name under heaven and earth by which man can be saved. And decided, man, if someone's going to take his name in vain, I'm going to give him a praise here in public. That's standing up for the word of God, for the name of Jesus. So quit you like men. Be courageous. You know, I think a lot of times that when we look at that word persevere, you know, when I meet new believers, I just... In my heart, I always just have to tell them, hey, just keep showing up. I think a lot of times people come into church, you know, at our church here in, at the river at Tampa Bay, they, 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 we bring a lot of people into the church. And so we have a lot of first time visitors and it's a, it's a really welcoming church and friendly and people come, but I see people who come up to the altar call and then I try to say, man, just stick with it. I, I, I want to guarantee you if you, if you are a hundred percent honest with God and you just show up and you're like, God, I'm committed. You know, there's things going crazy in my life, but you decide every time the doors open, I'm going to be here. Just hang on. The stuff, you you continue to put yourself in a place where God can work on the inside of you. And tune people quit. The devil like convinces them, oh, you don't need to go to church. Or he'll get people to go to to focus on what's wrong. That usher looked at you the wrong way. That person wasn't nice to you. That person at the bookstore, you know, had a certain tone of voice. And then people leave. I'm, I'm like, man, whatever it takes, your salvation depends on this. Just keep showing up. Persevere, Right. And then the last thing it says is be strong. And so what is it saying here? It's saying, well, before that, quit you like men. It's saying, don't be children. Choose to grow up. I want to tell you this. You know, it's actually your responsibility to grow up in your faith. Yes, you are God's child and you will always be God's child, but you're called to be a man or woman of God to actually progress in your faith. Christian growth growth as a child of God doesn't happen automatically. And it's actually your responsibility. Too many people have this. If this is a, if this, if you find yourself saying things like, you know, if God wants it done, he'll do it. You've misunderstood Christianity. You know, whatever will be, will be. No, that's not the case. God, what do you mean if God wants it done? He said it is finished. He basically said, Hey, I'm passing the baton. My part is done. Yes. I'm going to come and live on the inside of you, but it's not the disciples following Jesus around. It's Jesus on the inside of the disciples. God has called you to grow. But if you're, if you've been a Christian for 10 years and you haven't progressed past sinning, repenting, and a basic study on faith, like that's your fault. And you need to progress past that. We need to get to a place where we're spiritually mature, where we're not still dealing with unforgiveness after 25 years as a Christian, that you're not still dealing with these things where you can decide, I'm not going to hold anything against anybody. I'm growing up. I'm moving on. I'm not letting this petty stuff that people deal with hold me back. Quit you like men, not like children. It's your opportunity. It's it's your, it's your responsibility to grow in the faith. And then the last thing it says, be strong. So we have to understand that when we're born of God, we're not born out of a place of weakness. The God of the universe lives on the inside of us. Come at your faith from a place of strength. The, you know, when I was a few years ago, you know, my story in my life since I was a teenager, a lot of it was the music I listened to, but I was definitely a glasses half empty person. And so I would always look at like, well, what was the worst case scenario and just kind of get okay with the worst case scenario. But that started to change for me. I remember the Lord showing me like how important praise was for my life. And so I woke up and I decided every single day, I'm not going to be a person who's up and down like I used to be. This was a decision I made. I said, I'm not going to be a person who was up and down, who one day was doing great, one week was doing great. And the next day was kind of like, you know, glasses half empty sort of thing. 
And so I said, I'm just going to choose to praise God every day. I'm going to take control of my thoughts and my emotions by being a person who rejoices every day. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing should be a part of who we are. Oh, I can't rejoice. You don't understand my circumstance. You will never rejoice then because there's always going to be circumstances. But what? But God's on your side. The Bible says many of the afflictions of the righteous, so the Lord delivers them out of them all. I heard Bishop Oyedepo say, it's not unscriptural to be attacked, but it's unscriptural to be defeated. Defeat should not be a part of the Christian's life. How do you know that? The Bible says in Joshua that if you obey, and, he said, if you serve him, that you will, if you are careful to do everything you meditate in the word day and night, you'll be of good success. And that's where it's, hey, you'll lend to many nations and won't borrow in Deuteronomy. You'll be the head and never the tail. That's to be the tail, to be on the tail end of things means you're not actually you're not actually walking out the Christian life you're supposed to. And so I decided to take control of my emotions and my thoughts. And I decided to begin to speak what the Bible says. And I started to speak and I said, I'm going to speak not what I feel, but what the Bible says. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. You guys are awesome. Speak what the Bible says, not what you feel. And choose to be a person of praise. You guys are amazing. We'll talk to you soon.